Phoenix Tales is a community celebrating everyday women overcoming extraordinary challenges in their lives, discovering the fire within, and like the phoenix, enduring the ashes to rise again. Each of you has a phoenix tale or a phoenix moment. As we create this community of women with grace and grit, share your own phoenix tale or your own phoenix moment on our website. We're honored to hear another story to welcome another phoenix. Today's guest is Rebecca Babcock, a career and life coach. She discusses living with an autoimmune disease since the age of 16. In spite of the daily physical challenges she faced and still faces as a result of her chronic illness, she was able to achieve many career successes. With great clarity and conviction, Rebecca tells a story of never giving up, but more importantly, a story of seeking and grabbing onto the priceless lessons learned finding meaning and purpose that most of us may have missed. Please welcome Rebecca Babcock. Welcome, Rebecca, to Phoenix Tales. I always start the conversation off by asking one question, and the question I ask is, has there been an event in your life, personal or professional, that was challenging that might have redirected the course of your own life? Well, first of all, thank you for having me, Juliana, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And yes, there is a very specific event that happened in my life that changed the trajectory of every part of my life, personal, professional, and everything in between. And that was when I was 16 years old, about this time of year, actually, and I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, which is an autoimmune disease with no known cause and no known cure. So can you tell us what like, what are the symptoms? How is it diagnosed? I understand enough about it, but I would love for the audience to kind of get a fuller picture of what it means to have this chronic illness. Yes, absolutely. And thank you for asking because a lot of people think they know what it is and they don't. And the most important thing I can say to anyone who's listening, it's truly a chronic autoimmune disease in which my body thinks that my colon is a foreign object and it's attacking it always. And the symptoms are debilitating pain, frequent uh, bowel movements, diarrhea, blood in the stool, obviously all the side effects that go with that, weight loss, hair, you know, brain fall, all the things you can imagine. There's really only one dimension of treatment because there's no known cause and there's no known cure. The only thing we can do medically is to help stop the body from reacting and thinking that the colon is a foreign object, which is generally autoimmune suppressant medications like steroids or other biologic medications that didn't come on the market until I was about 25, 20 years into my disease journey. So you said you were 16 when you were first diagnosed, and that's when for a lot of young women, they're bo- you're sort of coming into your bodies, right? And reaching towards womanhood. So what was that like to be at that sort of turning point in your development physically, emotionally, mentally, and then to have this chronic illness show up as a constant that was going to affect your everyday life? That's why it has to be the thing that sort of defined the trajectory of my life, because when most people are 16 and just dealing with puberty, or I went to an all-girls school that became co-ed in high school, so boys were all of a sudden in the mix. And and not only did I have a disease during puberty, but I had a very embarrassing disease that people don't talk about. And for better or for worse, this was before the days of the internet. 
I didn't know at that point sort of where this disease took would potentially take me. I didn't know anyone who had this disease. It can run in families, but that wasn't the case for me. I was the only one who had it. So I didn't have any sort of community. It's the most important thing that happened to me because I basically decided for myself that this disease was not going to define me and that it wasn't going to be why me. I really made an intention and have stuck with it my entire life to have it be something that has actually developed me into exactly who I am and the parts of myself that I'm most proud of come directly from not only having an autoimmune disease and that's scary and having to make decisions that were different than everybody around me at any age. And I think that the whole idea of autoimmune disease has really come into sort of the the cultural forefront. People talk about it now, whereas 20 years ago, it was rarely talked about, nor did people really understand it. So as you sort of move from diagnosis to figuring out how you were going to live with this, how has your journey sort of also aligned with perhaps the cultural shifts that we have experienced when people talk about autoimmune disease? Great question. To your point, I was sort of ahead of this. At that time, there were no medications that were... Now I see ads on TV for this and that medication for ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease. And people have actually, they think they maybe have heard of it before. Back in the day, there was none of that going on. And I would say the only time that autoimmune diseases really got anybody's attention was the CDC is saying, if you are of a certain age or have a, an autoimmune disease or take autoimmune suppressant medications. So I've sort of always been at the forefront of this. The attention around autoimmune disease now, or at least how it was different 20 years ago, is that I just felt it was my obligation to myself and to my fellow IBD warriors and to people that suffer in silence to step ahead of this and you know give it a face, give it a name, humanize it in a way before it was just this weird thing that a lot of people hadn't heard of. I love that you said something that I caught uh, a little while back when you said that you decided that you were not going to be defined by this disease. And I think a lot of people who suffer some type of chronic illness have to make that decision, right? Like you can live as a victim of the disease for the rest of your life, or you can decide that, hey, the disease is not me. And and we can kind of understand that intellectually, but sometimes on an emotional level, that's a lot harder. And I would imagine that having had it diagnosed at such a young age, that the ability to do that must have come and gone, right, in your own development, emotionally and mentally. Can you kind of Give us a little bit more about that or talk a little bit more about that. Absolutely. And I'm going to give you a hopefully brief sort of synopsis of the the disease journey for me as it relates to all of this, because basically it has had times where it has been a challenge, but I think probably because I didn't know other people who had the disease and I had a very grand concept of what my life should be. And I'm very driven. I'm a very hard worker. I have done very well academically, but I also have a chronic autoimmune disease. To your point, it's because it wasn't something people were asking about. If you didn't have cancer or something externally that people could see, when I went to college, for example, no one was like, do you have a chronic autoimmune disease that you need special you know, assistance with or anything like that? It was never brought up. The challenging parts I didn't realize were challenging at the time because I just did it. And then there were times where it was very difficult. Uh, when I 
initially graduated from college, I got a very exciting job right out of college. I was working at Harper's Bazaar and soon after at Vogue and I had these big jobs. I was like an assistant at the time, but you know, impressive and exciting. And I was trying to balance everything. And the medications were just horrible. And I was having terrible side effects from medications. Specifically, anyone who's ever taken prednisone knows that it's just medication from hell. And then you're taking medication for the insomnia, and then you're taking this for that. And it just becomes sort of a snowball. It never dawned on me to say something to my employer. I remember specifically saying to my doctor at that time, my quality of life is really suffering. And I remember him saying to me, he was, then was no longer my doctor. He said to me, who says you get to have a quality of life? And no one had ever said that to me before. I think I was very gifted in my pediatric gastroenterologist who diagnosed me at 16, who just basically said, here's what you have and didn't tell me anything about, it may end up being like this. It may end up being like that. Because the thing about ulcerative colitis is it, it can be very progressive. So it can start out mild. And then for some people, it goes into what unfortunately is termed remission. And for some people, it stays that way. For mine, I'd go into remission, the next flare-up would be worse. And it was just like that year after year, decade after decade. And so the ante kept being upped. And I think my doctor was sort of like, who said you get to have a quality of life? And I was like, I just figured I could. My whole dating life was done with this disease. I, I got married. I got divorced. I kept moving up in my career. And my disease kept getting worse and worse and worse. That comes to the next point of my question, which is that we have a better understanding of autoimmune disease. So the fact that you were so driven and obviously gifted, I would imagine that that the up and down must have been pretty dramatic, right? So did you hit the low point where you finally said, this is it, I have to make changes in my life in order to really manage this illness rather than the illness managing me. Right. Well, one thing I just want to clarify, while mental health and stress are certainly huge components, the idea of there's no known cause and there's no known cure. So it's a combination of everything we do in our lives. So am I anxious because I need to know where a bathroom is every time I leave my home? Or am I anxious and that's what caused the need for me to know where the bathroom is? There's really no way to know. I'm a, I'm a type A driven person. That must be why I have ulcerative colitis. No, stress is harmful for anybody, right? And then if you have a disease that that can be triggered by stress, you want to try to, to minimize it to the best of your ability. And to answer more pointedly your question, there were a series of things, and, and I actually truthfully struggled on what was the thing that sort of was the pinnacle of my life. And I think it's really a culmination of all of those things. So when you asked me, was there a moment where I said, I can't ba balance it all? Those are all sort of different moments in which with each decision and sort of a new awareness came to me and a new level of commitment to my own growth, mental, physical, spiritual, emotional, financial, all of that. And so what did that look like? I'm just curious. All the things you just described are, you know, they talk about stressful events in people's lives, uh, financial insecurity, divorce, yeah. moving, you know, parental death or death. Right. Yeah. So you experience, I think, like two or three of the things on the list, right? Yeah. So was it that when the divorce occurred that you then maybe reassessed X, 
when you decide to leave corporate America, you then reassessed why. I mean, I guess I want to kind of get a fuller picture of the decisions and how your health actually helped inform those decisions. So the first thing is, this is sort of my my tagline of my company. It's, you know, be a warrior, not a worrier. And I really truly consider myself, excuse my language, a badass warrior. That's who I believe that I am. And I believe, I know that, I think a lot of people think there's something, but until you face adversity, you're not quite sure how you'll respond. And that's the gift of being diagnosed at 16. I had adversity just in my back pocket when I woke up in the morning and had a stack of challenges against me. They say people with my autoimmune disease, basically when you wake up in the morning, it's like you got 10 hours of sleep and I got five, right? Like I'm just already battling things before I'm even, my eyes even open. So I think that set me up for success. I, I've had a lot of challenges in my life, somewhat unmanageable because I was just being so hard on myself and my illness got worse, maybe as a result, maybe just because that's the trajectory of life. And then in September of 2015, 2014, I stopped drinking and it wasn't some big dramatic, you know, I went to rehab. It was nothing like that. Just my life was really unmanageable and my way of dealing with the sadness and the stress and the anxiety of the illness of being the only one of my friends who wasn't having babies and instead was single and living in New York City and you know all that goes with that and working at sparkly fancy jobs and not always having those jobs go well. I've certainly been let go from jobs. The pressure was really sort of, I got to a breaking point where I said, this isn't working for me anymore, exactly what you asked. That doesn't necessarily change anything other than I became far more aware of the things I was doing in my own life that were helping me and that were harming me, again, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, romantically, all of those things. And that was a huge turning point, but it did not make my ulcerative colitis any better. It didn't kind of fix that, if you will. Right. So where are you now with the disease? Are are you still on prednisone? Have you found alternative uh, treatments? Like where, where are you sort of with the disease itself? So with the disease itself, what about, I've tried without getting into all the medications, because that's not what this is about, I've tried everything there is on the market. And I was at the point when I was 38, where my doctor said to me, I'd really like, I'm 43 now, I'd really like for you to consider having your colon removed. And I said, absolutely not. I don't have cancer. I'm not removing a major organ that plays a huge role in your health and wellness and life. And so we were in an argument about it and I was trying to wean off of prednisone. This is very unusual to anybody listening. And my body had become dependent upon the steroids without me knowing it. And I went into kidney failure, which is a side effect of what's called secondary adrenal insufficiency. I was hospitalized and while they had me, they took my colon out. So it was totally unplanned. It was an emergency surgery. I went into the hospital on Tuesday. On Thursday morning, I no longer had a colon. So what does that look like when you don't have a colon? Yes, exactly. So what I ended up having was five surgeries in two and a half years. And by the way, I was going back to work between each surgery. I mean, it was at that point I was working at eBay. It was bonkers, but that's kind of my spirit. Just keep it moving. So the first surgery was to remove the entire colon. And unfortunately, my first surgery was done incorrectly. It was a surgical error. So three weeks after my first surgery, while I was still healing, I had to have that surgery redone. That's not normal. The next two surgeries are totally normal. The the next surgery is they take a part of your small intestine and repurpose it as a faux colon. Then the third surgery for me 
my fourth surgery, most people's third surgery was called the takedown. And so they connect a part of my small intestine into my rectum, get rid of the ostomy bag, and you begin your life without a colon, which is, um, for me, included a fifth surgery because I had herniated my abdominal wall. And that surgery actually was, so this adds up to about 16 days in the hospital. And then unfortunately, my last surgery, my bowels never woke up. So I left with a uh, feeding tube in my arm, which if you've gotten to know a little bit about my story, of course, that it's called the PICC line got infected and had to be pulled out before an infection went to my heart and killed me. So um, now I live without a colon and without an ostomy bag. I have a J pouch. Um, some of us in our J pouch community call it a designer colon. My mantra in life, it's sort of the hashtag that is also, I guess the best way I describe myself is no colon still rolling. And while that's sort of trite and cheesy, it's also very much defines who I am. And has it changed the quality of your life, getting your colon removed? Meaning, has the colitis now come into full remission? So it's impossible for me to have ulcerative colitis in its traditional form because I no longer have a colon, but I still have the disease in me. So it likes to to dance other dances. So one of the things it really likes to do is, well, it can manifest in my joints and my eyes and my all these other ways. And then also I get infections in my pouch because my J pouch made of my small intestine is not a colon. It cannot do exactly what a colon can do. So mine likes to get infected all the time, which is no big deal compared to what it was like before. Digestion is obviously different. Diet is different. Vitamin and mineral deficiencies can happen because one of the large purposes of the colon is to finish out the digestive process and hydrate your body and give you certain vitamins and minerals before everything evacuates out. So I don't have that. The biggest thing for me, and this is a completely unique journey of my own, is that I unfortunately am steroid dependent. So I have to continue taking steroids, which are obviously very highly autoimmune suppressant medications since that's their only purpose in life. So I'm always working on devising a plan to get off of the steroids. But thus far, every time I've tried, I go into kidney failure. So that's the biggest challenge. Not awesome at all, but doable. I mean, I'm just kind of blown away by how forthright and um, sort of assertive you are in describing this incredibly harrowing journey. I mean, I'm listening to you and my jaw is just like on the floor, right? I think any one of those surgeries would have probably brought most normal humans to their knees, right? And said, I don't know if life is worth this, right? So was there a moment where you did kind of feel that existential, wow, how much longer can I do this? Like, was there ever an emotional moment for you? And as somebody who suffers with chronic illness of depression and and having to face the reality that I may have to use be on antidepressants for the rest of my life, it's a constant inner battle, right? Absolutely. Um, when I think to myself, I am an accomplished person, I can do ex- so many things, but yet I can't beat this disease, right? Yep. So like, have there been moments where you have succumbed or allowed yourself to kind of feel the weight and the emotional weight of your experience? Absolutely. I am not a machine by any stretch of the imagination. There are different moments where it all feels like too much and I get really sad and I allow myself to be very sad. But generally, it's not just about the disease. Sometimes I'm like 
universe, is that all you got? Like it just <laughs> feels endless. Last year and a half has been magical and tragic. There's been a lot of death and sadness and those sort of challenges in my life. But I also took the last step in this journey, sort of reconciled the last part of it, which was I had this big career. The last thing I felt like really was sort of breaking my spirit completely was accepted the fact that I'm I'm probably not going to have children. You know, I'm 43. I'm, I'm single. The pressure that I had on myself to be successful financially in order to support the amount of medical bills that I have, quite honestly, because I go to specialists, because I don't just go to the doctors and network, made me feel like I had to just keep climbing that corporate ladder and just be part of that situation. So the big sort of, I can't do this anymore, happened actually this spring, where I said, you know what? I've got one beautiful, precious life. A gift that I have been given is absolute optimism to an extreme, along with a real desire to help and be of service to others and share as honestly and authentically as I can about myself in order to help other people feel inspired to do the same regardless of their journey. Because if I can talk about diarrhea and- (laughs) I'm sorry, that's so great. I love it. It's true. If I can talk about diarrhea, you can certainly talk about depression. And I suffer from anxiety as well. I've struggled with addiction to alcohol. I've struggled with anxiety. I have a chronic autoimmune disease. I've had a lot of challenging things happen. And my feeling was I need to walk my talk already. So I hung up my corporate hat and I started my own company June and I'm making my own hours. I'm the worst boss to myself that anyone could have. I think I'm working longer hours and harder hours than I ever have, but I truly believe I'm being of service and I'm not coaching about chronic autoimmune diseases. I'm, I'm really helping people to align their, their passion in life with their purpose and, and their job, basically. The person I wish I had had when I was like, what am I doing? I've got all these gifts and talents, but I don't love my corporate job. And so I've sort of come along to say, let's figure out what you do love and let's infuse more of that into what you do every day. And let's create a life that you actually feel like is purpose-driven. And it doesn't mean quitting your job. This has been the full circle moment of taking all of the challenges and opportunities that I have, I have faced and helping other people to look at life through that instead of why me lens, really that why not me? Why not me? Why shouldn't I be the one to have these t- tragic, terrible things happen and help myself? It's not just that I'm helping others. It's I'm deeply, deeply helping myself. I was going to ask this question just because this is my own personal experience. The more I am open about my depression, I write about it. I, you know, am very frank about it. I was hospitalized because of it. Um, The more that I feel I start to take control of it, right, that I start to take control of the narrative of the disease instead of the other way around. So I'm wondering, uh, it's my intention to get involved with a couple of mental health organizations. But I'm wondering if part of the drive to be such a voice is also because it is so healing for you. Without a shadow of a doubt. And I will say in in the 12-step program that I'm a part of, one of the big tenets of that is to, to help others. That's not something I can just keep to the concept of when I stopped drinking and took a real inventory of my life and, and took responsibility for the it became really important to me to take a look at my entire life and to to recognize 
where I could be of service, not just in recovery, but in the recovery of life, in living your life in the truest, most authentic form that brings you the most, you know, joy and pride. But isn't there a flip side to what you just said, which is when you take inventory of your life and you come to terms with the things that you have a stake in and that you have control over, the one thing about having a chronic illness is that in so many ways, we can't control it and we can't, right? And we can't take agency of it. So how do you reconcile that? It took me a long time. And I would say what took me a long time was to understand the why me part of it in terms of like, it's almost not in my own brain to think it's unfair. And people will say to me, how do you handle all this? How can one person take all this? And I think that the idea that it's on me to handle all this and to make sense of it and to control it and manage it is way too much for me to handle. So this idea that there's something bigger than I am and that I can take inventory and take stock, but then, you know, I'm not in the results business. All I can do is do my best. It's not in my control. And that's why I always say I have a disease with no known cure. All I can do is, is do my best. And isn't that hard for people like you and me? <laughs> I mean, I, I know depression, there's no known cause, there's no known cure, and it's not a disease that is able to be quantitatively measured, right? Like some other diseases. And I call it the phantom disease because, and I'm sure you feel the same way about your colitis, because to the outside world, we look normal, right? That we function and we move in the world as if nothing were wrong with us. And yet we have an illness that we have to manage every day. For me, my challenge is letting go of this idea that I have any control over it and therefore allowing myself the, what is it, the release valve almost? Like it's the one thing in your life you can't control for better or for worse. Yeah. And, and there's two parts to that, in my opinion. And one is, thank God I'm not in control of it. And that's why I emphasize no known cause, because I'll have people say to me, oh, I did a juice diet and I'm in remission. And I know the truth is they're just in remission. <laughs> I love the relief of the idea that it's not on me to be in or out of remission. All I can do is the best I can. And that if I'm doing a juice diet, and I mean, there were times where I was smoking a pack of cigarettes a day and drinking a bottle of wine and eating crappy food and, and I would be healthy for six months. The universe has a bigger plan. And I think when I accepted that is when I started leaning into being of service because it was like, okay, this is going to be what it's going to be. So if I can't control that, I can control my narrative. I can control my, my part in it. So can you tell us a little bit about your coaching business and what types of clients that you work with? So my undergrad degree is in human and organizational development with a focus on leadership and entrepreneurship. So sort of naturally born in me was to, to be in this world. What came to me is that there's a real lack in the marketplace out there for somebody who's working on the holistic approach to your career and your life. And there's a lot of coaches out there doing logistics. Let me help you with your resume or your interview skills or your LinkedIn profile. And there's very few that are saying, what do you actually want? What do you love? What do you enjoy? What is your five-year plan? What is the goal behind the goal of wanting to get the promotion or the raise? Let's look at the motivations and then let's create a strategy. And once we have the strategy, we can do logistics. Absolutely. But let's start with the why. 
So, Rebecca, we get to the very last question. And the question I ask is, um, is there a song that speaks to you or resonates with you or in some way describes your life? A hundred percent. And I love music, so it's hard to choose one. But anyone who knows me knows that sort of my anthem song is Dancing in the Moonlight by King Harvest. There's a um, line in the song, for those that don't know it, that says, you can't dance and stay uptight. It's a supernatural delight. And I'm smiling saying the lyrics to you ear to ear because to me that sort of epitomizes my no colon still rolling mantra that you, you just have to find the levity and find the things to dance at. And you can't take it yourself that seriously. Life, life gets lifey. So sometimes you just need to dance. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you so much for doing this, Rebecca. How can people reach you if they want to get more information about your coaching business or anything else, or especially health-related? Yeah, I was going to say, don't feel like if it's not about coaching, you can't reach out to me because I'd love to communicate and chat with people about any variety of the topics we discussed today. So the easiest way is probably my Instagram, which is at rbc.coaching, or my website is www.rebeccababcockcoaching.com. And don't feel like you need to contact me for coaching. You can just ping me on there and, and we'll get in touch. We'll have that information also in the show notes. So, and we can try to put that out there. Well, thank you so much for spending this time with us. Uh, I know that your story will uh, certainly move people and probably put a lot of them in awe. <laughs> Um, uh, remarkable. So thank you again. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Phoenix Tales, a show about women overcoming challenges and like the Phoenix to be reborn, their lives reimagined. Make sure to tune in to our next episode to hear another inspired story. I am Yuliana Kim Grant. The show is edited by Podigy. Music is by Ryan Pruitt. Phoenix Tales is going live for the first time on March 1st at The Well in New York City. You will have an opportunity to see in person some of the inspired women we have interviewed. If you would like more information, please go to our Phoenix Tales website or find the information on our social media platforms. It's like a dream, so let me never wake up. I was so hung up on myself, just like a stick in the mud. A little time, a little patience when I got tired of waiting. Then I found that gem within me sticking out of the mud. And they gon' ask me why I do it. I'ma say this because we gon' be the best on earth, just like we be out in rust. Pass behind me like a book bag, hanging down a coat rack. Focused on the future, not that coulda, shoulda, would have.